Good evening, Wisdom Eccentrics by Nat Chang Rinpoche, Chapter 20. Whether Rinpoche modelled the nyoshal of his tales on his Inji disciple for the purposes of his storytelling, or whether that was the actual nyoshal, is a matter for speculation. Will the real nyoshal please stand up? Chapter 20, Just As You Are Oh, yeah, so, Rinpoche chuckled. Yesterday you were not a Tomyor. I did not have to shout all day, and it was better for my throat. So today I am wondering if it will be the same. Maybe it will be the same. Anyhow, there are two stories, but you must wait to the end before we talk. Poutrell was staying in Zartuka minding his own business and doing whatever needed to be done when he received a visitor. Now, Poutrell had seen enough monks to last him a while, and at that time he was spending some quiet time with Nyoshal and a few other yogis. It just so happened at this particular time that Teton Chugyur Lingpa was having some difficulty with one of his main disciples. This was a monk by the name of Rinchen Tagye, now this monk was a Kempo, a scholar, and a punctilious ecclesiastic into the bargain. He kept the monastic rules with precision, but had a tight mind. Chugyur Lingpa had tried various approaches with him, but couldn't seem to shift him in terms of spiritual practice. The man was suffocating in the tension of his own moral purity. Now, Chugyur Lingpa knew that Poutrell didn't have much time for institutionalised monks in general, and this type of monk in particular. He knew that this was the sort of ecclesiastical dignitary who'd not immediately get a warm and affectionate reception from Poutrell. So he wrote a letter. Poutrell, old friend, I've got this stick-up-the-arse disciple who's as proud as a cockle about being a monk but seems hell-bent on mediocrity. If you can do something with him, I'd be most obliged. He's a good fellow in many ways and works hard, but he's a bit given to supercilious sanctimoniousness and assiduous puritanism. I can't seem to flush the stuff out of him, etc, etc, etc. The letter discussed a few details, exchanged a little news and signed itself off in a cordial manner. When Chugyur Lingpa had finished the letter, he appended his seal and handed it to Rinchen Tagye. Here, my boy, take this to Zarpaltral Rinpoche. It's about time you hightailed it to Golok and got some teachings and transmissions from him. But don't come back before you've received everything you need to receive. You hear? Rinchen Tagye made prostrations to his teacher, took the letter and made his way to brigand country. Take care you're not buggered on the way, young fella. Some huge fat monk might like the look of you and decide to break your vows for you. Chugya Lingpa called after him, but this didn't manage to alter Rinchen Tagye's countenance. He was, as usual, frozen with solemnity. He set out for Golok with a party of attendants and finally reached Paltrell's place in Zarchuka. When Paltrell saw him coming, he called out to Nyoshal, 
Hey, Nyosho, a prince of pederasty has come to see us. Nyosho looked anxiously to see who deserved such an appellation from Paltrow. He could only see a party of monks on horseback. They were dressed in the usual regalia. Monastic types of a certain hauteur liked to turn up at monasteries in all pomp and plumage. Where is the prince? asked Nyoshul in some perplexity. There, Nyoshul, that pox-ridden parrot with the high-crested hat, Paltrow replied and pointed to the head lama in the party of monks. Sure enough, there was one of the monastic big shots whom his teacher characteristically held in low esteem. Show the insufferable blackguard in, if you will, Nyoshul. Looks as if he's coming our way, like it or not. Paltrow muttered in a derisive tone. I'll not be welcoming, welcoming him out there, and that's for sure. I'll be in my room if he wants anything from me. Nyoshul waited for the visiting party to arrive and welcomed Rinchen Tagye with all due respect. Tsar Paltrow Rinpoche will see you if there is anything you want from him. Rinchen Tagye asked him if he would kindly present a letter to Paltrow from Tertzon Chugyo Lingpa. Nyoshul took it with all due haste to his teacher. Yeah, it's just as I thought, grumbled Paltrow, a prince of pederasty. Nyoshul knew that his teacher was not keen on monks, but this one had come with a letter from Terton Chugyo Lingpa himself. Surely this was a person worthy of respect and the very best treatment. No, maybe the very best treatment, but respect was not going to be Paltrow's way of working. Why do you call him a prince of pederasty? Take a butcher's at this, Nyoshul, my lad. He passed the letter over. Nyoshul was very surprised indeed. Show the bumptious little boundary in, if you will, Paltrow yawned. And so it was that Rinchentagye entered the illustrious presence of Paltrow. He made his formal prostrations and sat before the renowned Lama. What do you want of me then, king of pederasty? There are no young monks to bugger here. If you're looking for a nice firm pair of buttocks, you'd better get back to where you once belonged. Undeterred by Paltrow's vulgar remarks, Rinchentagye made a highly respectful request for teachings on the Longchen Ningtig. Hmm, Longchen Ningtig, repeated Paltrow thoughtfully. There's nothing about sodomizing young boys in that text. You'd better go someplace else. I don't think that I can be of any help to an insatiable pederast. Suddenly, before the monk could understand what was going on, he was being ushered out of the door. A splendid room was found for him and he was left to his own devices. A room was also allocated to his attendants, who all slept together next to the kitchen. The whole party was very well treated, but although the Lama's room was grand, no heating was provided. The next day, Rinchentagye presented himself to Paltrow with the same respectful request. But Paltrow dismissed him. My hiney is too old and baggy to raise your lust. 
you'd better try someplace else. I hear there's a new intake of young monks down a ways. Maybe if you get there quick enough, you'll get to them before the other monks bugger them senseless. As before, Rinchen Tage was ushered out of the door before he really knew what was happening. His room awaited him. Now it must be said that the room assigned to him was a rather well-appointed apartment, the perfect room to offer to a visiting monastic lama, and the best room in the place. Every day Rinchen Tagye returned to the room and sat on his own. He spent his time in solitude, engaged in his practices and in his studies of the texts. Every day he pre presented himself to Paltrow, and every day Paltrow dismissed him with some snide remark. One day Paltrow would merely repeat that he was ignorant of buggery. The next day he'd say that he could be of no help to one of such great learning. Another day he'd say that his own buttocks were too hard and pockmarked from years of sitting in caves to give the monk a worthwhile erection. This went on for a month and all the while the weather was getting more wintry. The monk was not used to living at the altitude of Zartuka and was evidently suffering. Nyoshul, feeling sorry for the monk, asked whether the poor man would ever be ready to receive Paltrow's teachings. Maybe, replied Paltrow in lackadaisical style, but probably not today. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe never. Rinchen Tagye was walking sedately across the courtyard at the time, making his way to present himself to Paltrow. His robes were immaculately pleated, and his right arm was bare in spite of the bitter cold. He seemed so sincere, Nyoshul reflected. Can you tell me what it is that's wrong with him? What is the obstacle that prevents him from receiving your teaching? Paltrow shook his head in disbelief on hearing this and said, Well, Nyoshul, I'd have thought it was as plain as the nose on your face. Nyoshul looked but discovered little from what he saw. All he saw was a monk bearing up well upon under repeated disappointments even though he was possibly becoming more miserable as the days wore on. However, he was as well turned out and elegant as the day he had arrived. Just check the details, Nyoshul, Paltrow repeated. Do you see a man who could leave appearances behind? Nyoshul watched the monk as he walked with carefully measured tread toward Paltrow's door. When Rinchen Tagye entered Paltrow's presence, he offered his prostrations and said, I am a well-disciplined monk. I keep monastic vows purely. I maintain the Bodhisattva vows and offer up merit to the realisation of all sentient beings. I maintain my tantric oaths to Lama, Yidam, Kandro and protectors. I have studied texts with diligence and do my best not to waste this precious human rebirth. I have complete trust in your realisation and in, and in the lineage, but I have been here for a month now requesting teachings and am still unworthy to take refuge in even a few words of your teaching. So now I must regretfully take my leave. I must depart in disgrace and return to my teacher without having fulfilled his instruction. 
Paltrell looked at him severely, but detecting some change in the monk did not have him ushered out. Rinchen Tagye's speech was practically strangulated as he spoke. He was dejected, hopeless and slightly frantic. You want to take refuge in a few words of teaching? Paltrell inquired. Wouldn't you rather take refuge in the tight arse of a young monk? Rinchen Tage spluttered in total exasperation. But Rinpoche, this sodomy business has nothing to do with me. Paltrell eyed him carefully and stated in slow, even tones. And your pretenses have nothing to do with me. Then, quite unexpectedly, Paltrell roared with laughter. Come back tomorrow, but come just as you are. If you come just as you are, I will give you a few words of teaching. Again, he was ushered out of the room and returned to his apartment. Rinchen Tagye sat alone in his room, wondering what Paltrell had meant. He was painfully cold, so cold that he had to give up turning the pages of his liturgical text. He wrapped his shawl around him, but the bitterness of the temperature was more than he could bear. He was reduced to shivering, tormented by Paltrell's parting remarks. The words, come back tomorrow just as you are, flapped uselessly around his head. What could he do with such an injunction? Whatever he did, however he presented himself, it would be the same as before accusations of anal intercourse. But just as I am, he pondered, but what am I that is not apparent? I'm a monk, but he knows that. What else can I be? How can it be that I am something that I do not even know about? This was impossible, totally impossible. How could he be just as he was when he was always just as he was. An hour passed. Another hour. Then suddenly something outlandishly preposterous occurred to him. I'm cold, he thought. I am cold. If that is not just who I am, then there's nothing else. I am cold. I am very damn cold. I am going to freeze my butt off in this damn room. Rinchen Tagye got up immediately and left his room. He went directly to the kitchen, the only place where he knew that some sort of warmth would be guaranteed. There were some of his monk attendants in the kitchen drinking tea with the cook. He joined them. They were all most honoured by his visit and he joined them in their simple, good-humoured conversation. The place where his monk attendants slept had some warmth that came from the kitchen. There was a hearth where dried yak dung was burning. He inquired tentatively whether there was space to sleep there. The monks were most surprised, but were only too happy to have him join them. He spent the day talking with them and keeping warm. His monks offered him some of their thicker clothing, but he declined to take it from them. Instead, he borrowed a woollen monastic jacket from the cook, a blackened, greasy affair. It was patched so much that it was practically shapeless, 
but it was warm. He slept the night with the monks and slept so well that he was almost late for his appointment with Paltrow. He was in such a hurry that he lashed his robes about his person in an unprecedentedly untidy fashion. He beat a hasty path to Paltrow's door with his shawl wrapped tightly around him against the villainous chill factor of the wind that swept through the courtyard. His robe was a bit besmirched with soot from the fire and he gave the appearance of a dishevelled monastic menial worker. He had no time to wash, eat breakfast or present himself in anything close to a suitable manner. And in this embarrassing state he threw himself to the ground in front of Paltrow. Welcome, welcome, dear fellow, Paltrow greeted him. Forget prostrations, sit, be comfortable, eat with us. You will have missed your breakfast, I'll be bound. A smoky room makes for heavy sleep. Poor Rinchentagye had only managed one prostration. He had simply crumpled onto the floor in a flood of tears. Nyoshul, Paltrow called, help our good monk up. Make our venerable friend comfortable. Today we'll have a few words of teaching. It was a while before Rinchentagye had composed himself, but when he did, they ate together as if he had just arrived as an honoured guest. After a good breakfast, he sat with Nyoshul and a few other yogis and listened to Paltrow's teaching. There was a joy and radiance emanating from him that was palpable. The change that had come over him was astonishing to Nyoshul. This was a different man. What had happened to the exalted, pietistic monk overnight? When the teaching was over, Paltrow announced that he'd give the monk the entire cycle of transmission, teachings and commentaries of the Longchen Nyingtig. Rinchen Tagye was overjoyed. He was just about to leave when Paltrow called after him. By the way, I hear there's no fire in your room. You must have been freezing in there. I will see to it that you have some heating. Rinchentagye responded that there was no need because he had found a perfectly comfortable place to sleep. Nyoshul was amazed. He's been there in all this cold without a fire. Paltrow's face assumed a more serious demeanour, and he replied in a reverential tone, Well, I'll be damned. Extraordinary, isn't it, Nyoshul? This is one exemplary monk. Yeah, Rinpoche almost murmured. And now the second story. A while afterwards, Paltrow was sitting quietly with Nyoshul. Do I smell like the dung that hangs under a dog's tail? Nyoshul was quite startled by the question and could find no immediate answer. Why was Paltrow asking him such a bizarre question? No, he answered. Then why do so many flies buzz around me? Nyoshul didn't see any flies. He started to feel as if something unusual was about to happen and Paltrow caught his look of bemused incomprehension. There's one very large fly at the door at this very moment and he's buzzing fit to bust, 
Nyoshul looked at the door but still didn't see any flies. It's just outside the door. Go see what sort of goddamn fly it is. Bewildered again by his teacher's peculiar drift of language, Nyoshul got up and went to the door. As he walked across the room, he did start to hear some sort of droning noise. When he opened the door, what did he see but the largest maroon and yellow fly he'd ever seen in his life? It was a monk making prostrations and chanting the refuge and bodhisattva vows at astonishing speed. Hey! Hey! Hey, you out there! Quit that goddamn nonsense! Immediately! yelled Paltrow. The young lama halted abruptly in his prostrations and was ushered inside. Yeah, venerable fly, why are you buzzing at my door? Paltrow inquired. The monastic Tulku was evidently unnerved by Paltrow, but was not one of these flatterers who gush in grandiose terms to show how they are. He answered simply that he was a Nyingma monk who had been inspired by the lineage which Paltrow held and that he had wished to meet him and receive transmission directly. Hmm, Paltrow pondered. Then why grovel at my door in this loathsome manner? Do you think Padmasambhava lives inside or something? The Tulku re replied, I don't really know who is inside if it is not Zarpaltral Rinpoche. The conversation went backwards and forwards for a while in this style until Paltrow was sure that he did not have an obsequious sycophant before him. Paltrow never had immense patience with grovelling flatterers. The Tulku was quite bright and answered every question that Paltrow put to him. He seemed to display wit and intelligence but without impertinence or aggression. Once the questioning was out of the way, Pouchel gave the Lama the transmission he requested, and they sat and drank tea together with Nyoshul. While drinking his tea, the monk surreptitiously picked the odd hair off the carpet in order to take them away as a blessing. He had obviously heard that Pouchel didn't like this kind of thing very much, and decided to obtain his blessings in a furtive manner. Nyoshul, Paltrow directed his disciples' attention to their guests' activities. What's this insect up to now? The Tulku apologised for his clandestine collection of Paltrow's hair, but explained that the sheep in his locality were prey to wolves, and that he had thought that tying the hair to them would be a protection. Paltrow looked quizzical. Really? You don't say? It was quite evident that the guest wanted the hair for himself and his own disciples, but it was also evident to Paltrow that he was a sincere practitioner with a kind and generous heart. It was clear that he had his disciples' good in mind, and so Paltrow did something highly unusual. He gave his guest a relic. An old Nakpa shirt he sometimes wore was falling apart and so he tore off a long strip of it and gave it to his visitor, laughing uproariously. Take this then, you cunning wolf, if, as you say, your flock need protection. With a shepherd like you, they need all the help they can get. 
but growl like a wolf rather than buzzing like a blue bottle when you call on me again. So, Rinpoche asked with a grin, what do you think about these stories? Are they linked in some way, Rinpoche? Maybe, he replied and continued to drink his beer. Today I remembered them together, that's all. Do you see a link between them? This was also not a difficult question. I had quite a reaction to the culmination of the first story and had intended to bring it up anyway. The story about Rinchen Tagye made me feel quite sad. I found it very moving that this poor monk goes back to be insulted day after day for a month. That is really quite extreme. Not as extreme as the treatment of Milarepa, but extreme in terms of what happens these days. It seems quite an ordeal, and it saddens me when I consider honestly whether I would be able to do that. I feel that I would have given up. Rinpoche observed me for a moment, almost as if he were examining a wedge of cheese. No, you are not Tomyor like Rinchentagye. Why would he come every day to hear such nonsense? This was a question and no mistake. Because, I ventured, he trusts in the Lama? Rinpoche interrupted me at this point. So you trust Kunzang Dorje? You ask for Dzogchen and all I do is tell you stories. Do you trust that you will ever receive more than these stories? Here I had another immediate answer. It doesn't matter, Rinpoche, whether it's stories or Dzogchen teachings. It's more important for me to be here and spend this time with you. If you want to give me the Dzogchen teachings, you will. And if it doesn't work out like that, then I'm equally happy. The room was suddenly deadly quiet. Rinpoche had me riveted with his gaze. Yeah, so, never mind about Kunzang Dorje. Why is Paltrel so rude to people who come to see him? Do you think this is how a Lama should behave? Why does Paltrel spend a month baiting Rinchentagye with insinuations of buggery and accusations that he desires the buttocks of young monks? I didn't have any answer as to how a Lama should behave, beyond the abstract concept of acting for the benefit of beings, and this was not the kind of answer to give to Kunzang Dorje Rinpoche, unless I happened to be feeling suicidal. It seems that Tsar Pauchul has a very low opinion of monks in general, is that true? No, this is just how he is in these stories. Paltrel had great respect for monks in other stories. It just depends on the story. If Paltrel was criticising a Nakba, he would talk of him as a drunken, dirty lech who did nothing but look for girls. So, you say something more? A Lama can act in a variety of ways that would seem strange, repugnant or reprehensible to the ordinary person. So there's nothing I can say about the actions of Paltrel without trying to work out what was going on.
This is the direction in which Rinpoche always took me in our discussions. He frequently insisted that it was utterly useless to approach these tales of enlightened activity either in a naive, credulous manner or with the simplistic religious moralism which reduces everything to platitudes or mystery. In view of this, I knew that answers like Paltrell is rude to people in order to destroy their pride were alarmingly unwise. Answers such as these usually resulted in my being asked to leave or given such a horse-whipping in the form of a sneer or even simply one of those looks that I'd have some kind of emotional haemorrhage. I had to understand something. So what was there to understand? I pondered for quite a while. Unfortunately, Rinpoche seemed content to let me think about it without looking as if every second counted. I started looking at how the situation was resolved in terms of Paltrell's underlying purpose with his daily references to pederasty. They were actually tedious after a while, and so Paltrell must have wished to force something. Yes, I yelped suddenly. It could have gone on forever. But Rinchen Tage finally flipped, saying that fantasies about the buttocks of young monks had nothing to do with him. That allowed Paltrell to say that Rinchen Tage's pretensions had nothing to do with him either. Up until then, Rinchen Tage was simply too proper even to deny anything. Rinpoche burst out laughing when he heard this answer. Oh, yeah, good answer. I did not think of this. A strange moment. I'd apparently got the right answer, or at least a right answer, but there was obviously another one. Should I ask about it or should I sit it out? No, I should definitely not sit it out. That would be a Tomyor tactic. I decided to take the plunge. What do you think about it, Rinpoche? He laughed and shook his head. Yeah, what does Kunzang Dorje think? Kunzang Dorje thinks many bad things. Maybe Paltrow just waits for the weather to get worse. Rinchen Tage has to give up or he will freeze to death, he laughed. Yes, of course, it was simple. I often miss the straightforward understanding of these things, Rinpoche. That Paltrow was simply using the changing season is such a direct statement of dancing with situations. I wish I could see these things more easily. The right answer is so often just in front of my nose. Rinpoche shook his head vehemently. No, there is no right answer. My answer, your answer, it doesn't matter. The meaning I find is not better than the one you find. You must have more confidence in your own intelligence. Kunzang Dorje will not always be there to say, Yes, this is the right answer. Maybe there are many meanings, and maybe none of them match Paltrell's mind. 
The important matter is principle and function. The vital point is that you know how to look for the principle and function of these stories. You are learning to see the principle and function in everything. As you know, without knowledge of the principle and function, Zogchen Menakde is meaningless. I smiled when Rinpoche said, without knowledge of the principle and function, Zogchen Menakde is meaningless. I knew, as soon as I heard these words, that he fully intended to give me the teachings I had requested. Rinpoche also knew by my smile that I knew what he meant. On this occasion, there was no need to verify my perception. Looking back, I feel this was probably the wisest choice I ever made during our conversations.